Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coogee Voice. Today, we're talking with Alexi Piovano and Adam Hedges, two graduates of Waverley College who in 2014 founded Educating the Future. Educating the Future is an Australian not-for-profit organisation operating at a grassroots level supported by community and corporate that seeks to facilitate relief from poverty and generational disadvantage by providing access to preschool education in Timor-Leste. You're listening to Coogee Voice. Our vision is to have educated a thousand children in Timor Leste, aged three to six, that otherwise would not have had that opportunity. Education provides so much opportunity. It can change people's lives. It will change people's lives. It has, and that's what we really want to focus on. Through the COVID-19 period, so to speak, um, ETF's been able to establish a base in both Melbourne and Perth. And that's something that's almost exclusively come out of online workshops and online team meetings. Adam and Alexi, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you both going today? Really well. Yeah, thank you for asking. We're doing excellent. Yeah, and I hear that we're doing this recording. You are down at the snow, is that correct? Yep, we're down in Jindabyne at the moment, um, soaking up the parish of snow. That's right. Other than the beach, we'd be here. So, <laughs> Well, what the wonders of technology. Now, before we get into talking about educating the future, you're both graduates of the College of Knowledge, which is just up the road from where I live. What do you guys like most about the eastern suburbs? So I like running a lot and the coastal track that we've got, kind of Coogee, Bondi, all those beaches, that coastal track, something that's always been in my heart. And I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of the East, just seeing all the smiling faces and everyone just out there. It's always like a consistent vibe and I really enjoy that. It's a nice little pocket of home. Mm, and for me, it'd be the parks and the pubs. I think we have great, you know, great nature in, in Randwick, Coogee Centennial Park. Um, where we play soccer as well, mm. which is awesome. And then obviously the pubs and the, and the venues and nightlife as well. We really do enjoy that. Is there a particular pub or park that you like the most? I think we can go with the pub with Robin Hood Hotel. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> Friday nights? Friday nights. Hard That's right. <laughs> well, so, guys, let's get into it. Educating the future. How did it start? So, this, I mean, it's a really long story, I guess, and we can kind of give you the salient points. I mean, Adam and I went to the uh, Timor immersion trip with Waverley College in 2014. And um, that's kind of when we got a glimpse for the kind of disparity in educational standards that exist in the world. And it kind of set us on this path to want to do something about that. And the following year. Yeah. So we decided to, to do something about this and raise some money and make a statement to our community. And this idea was inspired by a young kid, a young boy chasing our car barefoot as we walked into a rural area of Timor and we thought, you know, why, why don't we do something that makes a statement to our community? So we decided to walk um, 21 days from Bondi Beach in our homes to Byron Bay at the age of 17 after our HSE exams at Waverley. And, and that really did kick us off onto what was going to become educating the future. Yeah. So we, we managed to get like a massive, massive following of people and we were on the news, which was great. People were stopping us 
on the side of the road saying, Oh, we saw you on the news, like and donating just then and there on the spot. And it kind of, that kind of momentum that we, we built from that entire trek that kind of fed into the foundation of educating the future in April of 2016. That's right. So after that, in 2016, we raised $20,000. We, we did sore feet. Um, and it was a, a journey of a lifetime. And then our local community, our family, our friends were encouraging us to set up a charity. And as young 18 year olds, we had no experience in management or leadership or organizations or charities, let alone education. So we decided to get some experts on it and start educating the future. So what does educating the future hope to achieve? Yeah, well, I think our vision in short, you know, in five years time, our vision is to have educated a thousand children in team or let's say age three to six that otherwise would not have had that opportunity. We plan to build 10 preschools. We already have three at this point. And that's our, that's our main goal is to provide education to those that need it most in Timor, particularly the rural and regional areas. We do work alongside the Ministry of Education, the Timorese government. So they've got a goal for greater education that they want to focus on to rebuild their entire country. And ETF, Educating the Future, can really slide in and help them achieve that goal. And that's, that's kind of where the value of our work comes from, is that we can provide access to, to quality education and then the, the government provides the curriculum and all that all that stuff. So it really works in, in collaboration with the local systems to, to create a big picture. So can you tell us a little bit about the process? How have you gone from two young guys who've walked to Byron to now having built three schools with another seven in the pipeline? Well, it's been a, a four and a half year journey so far. I, I can say we, we've learned so much along the way. It's, it truly has changed our lives. So we started by setting up the charity legally. You know, we, we looked at the paperwork online. Then we realized the most important part was the people, the, our supporters, the people, our volunteers, our board of directors, our committees. So we started to assemble a team, a team full of students from Waverley, a team full of students from Emmanuel, from St. Clair's, St. Catherine's. Um, and we all came together as young 18, 19, 20-year-olds under the vision of educating the future. We slowly started to do some fundraisers in our community, which I know you attended, Marjorie, at Kambala. And those events have been great to engage our, our community. Over 250 guests attend each year, and that gives us the capital to then build the preschools. Mm. So it always, yeah, it always started with like a grassroots frame of thinking. So we were doing Bunnings barbecues and we were doing sausage sizzles down at North Bondi there. We we always had this great goal that we wanted to produce all these preschools in Timor-Leste, but we knew that we wanted to engage the, the local community as well. And that's, so we started out kind of small in that regard. And then we slowly built up to bigger events and got more people involved. And, and from the momentum of those events, um, more people heard about us and then the team grew. And, and as such, it just kept, kept growing like that kind of a snowball effect, so to speak. So why is investing in education so important? This is, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. And Timor, their median age, we'll, we'll give a bit of context about Timor and, and why education is important there. So Timor's median age is 19, so a bit younger than us too, actually. 40% of the population is under the age of 12. So their future really is their youth. And we believe that a dollar invested in education, including preschool and primary education, will pay dividends over the lifetime of a person, their community, and their country. We can look at it in technical terms, the social function, the mobility, um, the physical education, the safety elements that the children learn at the school is mm -hmm. very important to them and their families as well because they will be relying on them in the future. Yeah, and I guess education at the end of the day when it's, 
you know, pared down to the, to the bare essentials, like education is that tool. It really does kind of make the difference for everyone's lives. And Adam and I were fortunate enough to receive such a great education at Waverley College. Um, Adam and I didn't really want to perceive education as, as this privilege that only a few are allowed. It was, you know, the United Nations deems it a right. And, and that's what we wanted to work towards doing because education provides so much opportunity. It can change people's lives. It will change people's lives. It has. And that's what we really want to focus on. Do you have any particular thoughts about the importance of investing in education directly in developing countries? Definitely. Well, for example, in Australia, our, our neighbours, the second closest country to Australia is Timor-Leste. And so by investing in our neighbours, particularly in the Indo-Pacific and Asia-Pacific region, where a lot of these people are living below the poverty line, in the Indo-Pacific region, 330 million people live below the poverty line. And we believe that by investing in education in countries with such a high poverty rate, we'll actually bring them out of poverty and in turn, that will transition into economic development and, and partnerships with countries such as Australia. Um, and, and we perceive a future in 50, 100 years' time with a great partnership with these countries working together for the prosperity of all. And, and we think that's why it's important to invest, particularly in, in the global south. Yeah, and just, and just adding to that, I guess, as well, like in terms of in the developed world, education is a constant. Like in the developed world in Australia is a good example. We do education is accessible. and it's always there. Whereas like in, in the developing world, it's, it's, it's so questionable and it can be so dubious and we don't know. Sometimes access is difficult. Sometimes quality is not there. And, and investing in that brings that kind of the standard of the human race. It brings that the access up to a, a greater level, which is something that is definitely worth doing. Can and should the Australian government be doing more for our brother and sister countries that are developing around us to make sure that they do have access to the resources that they need in order to make sure that socioeconomics, health, education can improve in those states? Sure. So this is obviously a very complex topic. And for me, my knowledge of this is Australia invests $1.3 billion in 2019 into the Indo-Pacific region for overseas development assistance. And this goes to primarily education, I think is around 25% infrastructure, development support, capacity building of governments. And, and my experiences in Timor-Leste working with the government over there, I've seen the, the impact of Australia's investment directly into the government and to the people that are managing these development initiatives. So already I've seen firsthand the effectiveness of the Australian aid program in Timor-Leste, for example, and in Indonesia too. I guess the question then comes back to should the government be doing more? And, and yes, we, we do have many steadfast problems here in Australia on our own doorstep, in our own communities that we should be focusing on too. So for me, it's, it's hard to comment on. We've seen the effect and the impact that it has, and we do hope the Australian government keeps investing at the same, if not more, level into the future to resolve the issues that our region deems priority. Exactly. And, and it comes all down to like building our region and and building our region is something that benefits Australia and Australians. So investing in education and um, building that is something that I think the government should should be focusing on. And I mean, we've been recipients of a Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade friendship grant, which is actually aided in the construction of our preschools. And and that's something that, that we can speak to in saying that it, it is effective. And we know that it's it's adding value to those communities through the work that we're doing. So it's it's something that the Australian government is doing well. And I think, um, yeah, it, we'd welcome more. So part of the objective at 
ETF is to develop future leaders of the nation through a unique and intimate volunteer experience. So why should young people volunteer? Well, there there are so many reasons I think that um, the young people should be getting involved in, in these kind of topics. And I guess having come from the eastern suburbs, having come from Australian backgrounds, there's there's a lot of reason to give back. And and I think you learn that through the immersion programs like what we went on, that you kind of it clicks at some point that we can give back and and there's also um, professional development opportunities that ETF provides are, are probably second to none. I mean, it's amazing how many people have come through our ranks and have really developed their confidence, developed their professional skills and their, their work experience. And it's something that through doing something good for, for the broader Timorese communities, they're also benefiting their, their own professional development, which is something that ETF prides itself on. That's right. And an ETF, Educating the Future, provides essentially a program for people leaving high school that want to do good. They have good intentions and often many students do, but we, we don't have the tools or the skill set to put those intentions into effective use. And so we essentially provide students with a three to four, even five-year program as they progress through their university degree, whatever that may be, commerce, education, teaching, music, um, with us in their field of focus and people raise funds. They organize events like the one at Kambala. They write reports to the government. They write grant reports to our government here in Australia. So it, it's not an opportunity that a young person aged 18, for example, will get every day to write a report to the Australian government. And that's, we, we do put trust in our volunteers. Mm. Yeah. yeah it's, it, there's a lot of independence, I guess, with the volunteer base and there's, there's so much freedom, I guess, that they're given in structure, which is something that they run with. And it's, it's kind of a joy to watch from our perspective, to be honest, because we've watched this thing blossom and we can see how people that were like two years below us at Waverley, they've come on board and people that we hardly knew in school really. And, and the way these friendships have developed with us and the way these kids have developed their own skills is, is kind of a, it's an, it's amazing to watch. I kind of sound like a parent, but, um, but yeah, it really is cool to watch, um, to see all these people develop their own skills and do something good. COVID-19 has completely changed the landscape in which we're operating right now and it's impacted every single person. How has it impacted the way in which the charity is able to work and has it presented any challenges that you've needed to overcome? Sure. So the impact has been twofold and there have been challenges and positives as well. So in Australia, being young students, most of us, we're digital native, so it was easy to switch to online meetings instead of meeting face-to-face. So that was all quite straightforward for us. The main thing for us to focus on, the main challenge was working in Timor Leste. The information flow in Timor Leste to regional communities was challenged. The language barrier between us, you know, our responsibility with using finances in a fiduciary manner, a responsible manner to the people that gave it to us as well is what we need to consider. But we also need to consider the perspective of the Timorese government. So that did put on hold our current projects by two months because we didn't want to compromise the safety of the people working in the communities. Mm -hmm. They were not able to travel to the the capital, Dili, in Timor Leste to collect the funds and collect materials needed. So we did put the safety of our communities, like many organisations have first and foremost, which has taken a backseat to the progress of our construction. Um, But we're happy we've done it. We've learned, we've utilized opportunities such as working online now um, to our benefit as well. And um, yeah, I mean, that benefit's really gone a a particularly long way. I mean, through the COVID-19 period, so to speak, um, ETF's been able to establish a base in both Melbourne and Perth. And that's something that's almost exclusively come out of online workshops and online 
team meetings because it just makes it so much more accessible. So it was kind of the silver lining to having put our projects on hold in Timor was that we managed to get an expansion into further Australian jurisdictions, which has always been a goal for ETF. So it's it's kind of, yeah, this, this obscure silver lining that's come out of this um, global pandemic is that we've been able to expand. So guys, what's next for educating the future? I think um, put simply more schools. That's something that's been our part of our strategic vision for the next three years is to um, to build 10 preschools. And that's something that we're really going to be focusing on in the immediate future. There's seven to go. We've got three down and yeah, feeling good. Yeah. And to do that, we want to raise more money. We, want, we need more people. We need more volunteers on our team. We want to go to Timor. We want to visit Timor more times. So there's a lot of things that will come around that. As well as that, we, we are applying for accreditation with um, a peak body called Australian Council for International Development, which we hope to progress by the end of this year. And that'll give us the stamp as a legitimate international development organisation that runs effective programs in a transparent manner. Um, and that would be one of our greatest achievements so far as well. And I think as well with the um, earlier this year, actually in the beginning of the COVID crisis, I guess, we we managed to get deductible deductible gift receipt status. So that's something that gives us tax deductibility on donations. So that's something that we'll be really trying to utilize now and kind of remodeling our fundraising strategy in order order to kind of approach more money and and get more things done. So are there any upcoming fundraising events that people should be made aware of? We do hope to actually launch a new Strava campaign online um, in August. So that should be a a unique opportunity for people around Sydney and in our Eastern Suburbs community to contribute and run, um, walk around as well as win some prizes. That's one. And then Hopefully at the end of the year or start of next year, depending on how COVID-19 is going to raise some events or to hold some events rather. We also hope to hold our second touch footy day, which attracted over 500 people at the East Leagues Club. So that'll be one of our hallmark events as well. Now, guys, before I let you go, there are three tough questions that we ask every single person who comes onto Could You Voice. You have to tell us what's the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where can you get the best coffee, and where would you get the best burgers from? Okay, I'll kick us off. I think the best beach is Tamarama. Yeah, it's just got everything really. (laughs) It's hard to argue with. The best coffee I've had personally comes from a place called Italian Bar on Oxford Street kind of near the Queen Street part there. Um, he's actually with well, the guy's my neighbor and he makes great coffee and he's a great guy. So I love that. And burgers, I'd have to go with Out of the Blue down in Clavelli. Those chicken burgers are to die for. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with Alexi on Out of the Blue. Um, we've set, we've stood in that line for, for ages. Yeah. <laughs> um, Never complain. <laughs> for, for me, Maruba Beach, that's, that's my home. That's where I surf. I, I love that beach. And the best coffee is where I live in South Coogee, the Lion and Buffalo. Wonderful. Now, guys, if people want to learn more about educating the future, find out about upcoming events, where should they head to? I'd say to follow our website, www.educatingthefuture.org, and also our social media pages at Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, all at our ETF organization. Or yeah. yeah. Yep. So just type in educating the future, send us a message if you're interested and um, Alexi and I will ha- would love to have a chat with you uh, if you want to volunteer, fundraise, or, or do any of the like. Adam and Alexi, thanks for being on Coogee Voice. Thank you so much for having us, Marjorie. Thanks, Marjorie. Wow, aren't these two impressive young men? 
Now, if you'd like to volunteer or find out more about Educating the Future, head to educatingthefuture.org or check them out on Instagram at educatingthefuture. Thanks for listening to Coogee Voice. 